Episode number six, Know Your Microgreens. You're listening to the Microgreens Entrepreneur Podcast, where the aim is to help you start, grow and improve any microgreens business. I'm your host, Brian Faulkner, owner of a microgreens business that I operate out of my own home. Stay tuned and welcome along. Hello there and welcome along to another episode of the Microgreens Entrepreneur Podcast. As always, thanks a million for being here with me. I hope you enjoy the episode and I hope you're having a great week. And just before we get going on the episode, I just want to thank anybody who has reached out and interacted with us on Instagram. We're putting up a lot of good stuff every day on Instagram. And if you want to check out our page after the show, you can find it at microgreens underscore entrepreneur. Right, so we'll get going with today's episode, and today's episode is called Know Your Microgreens. I was actually thinking about making an episode called What Are Microgreens, and another one about the health benefits of microgreens. But I've actually kind of combined the two here to make one episode. I just had a feeling that you might see the two titles of those episodes a bit boring, but the thing is, it's actually really important to have a good understanding of what exactly microgreens are, all the health benefits of them, and be able to speak about them with good knowledge. Because in the end, this is going to help you sell more microgreens. Which at the end of the day is what we're all trying to do. When you start to go and sell microgreens, people are going to have questions for you. Your customers, your chefs, managers of retail stores and the general public. If you're able to answer those questions and you're seen as an expert in your field. You know all the health benefits, you know some key facts about each crop. That's all going to help your sales pitch. The more information you can give, the higher the chance you have of getting each sale. If you want to find out the approach that I took to educating myself on microgreens, I'll talk about that nearer the end of the episode. Okay, so in my opinion, this is the first place you should start. One of the most frequently asked questions that we get asked at a farmer's market is, what are microgreens? Maybe it's different where you are, but certainly in Ireland, the general public aren't really that aware yet of what exactly microgreens are. So a lot of the time before we make a sale, we have to explain exactly what the product is, how it can benefit them and why they should buy it. Maybe where you are, microgreens are more well known by the general public. I know they're very popular now in North America. But no matter what, you really want to have yourself well versed on exactly what they are. And you want to be able to deliver an answer that quickly sums up exactly what microgreens are. And like I said before, that's just really going to help your sales pitch. So it's actually pretty simple to sum up what microgreens are. They're vegetable greens that are harvested just after the cotyledon leaves have developed. Some microgreens are let grow on a little bit longer until the first true leaves appear. They're in between the growing stages of a sprout and a baby green. Now they're sometimes confused with sprouts, but obviously sprouts are different. Sprouts are consumed at an earlier stage than microgreens and with sprouts you consume the stem, the root and the seed. So there's a big difference there. The interesting thing about microgreens, sprouts, baby greens and the full adult version of the vegetables. They're all grown with the exact same seeds. So that's a question that we get asked all the time. And it was actually something that I didn't know myself when I first started out. I thought that microgreens seed was different to all other types of seed. But that's not the case. And the only differences between microgreens and the rest is that microgreens seed is sowed much more densely. And we're usually harvesting it after 7 to 21 days. Now you might be wondering when exactly did microgreens start to become a thing and I read somewhere before I think it was actually Wikipedia I must have a look again after I finish recording 
But I read that microgreens first began being used in San Francisco, in California, in in the 90s, I think it was. Back then, they would have been only used by chefs. And from there, they gained popularity and moved across the whole of the United States. And now they're pretty much popular worldwide. And they're not only used by chefs, but they're consumed by the public. So now I'm going to go over the different types of crops that can be grown as microgreens. And in a minute, I'm going to tell you about the types of crops that can't be grown as microgreens. So we'll start off with the brassica family and a great family they are because these are some of the easier microgreens there are to grow. So in the brassica family you've got the cabbages, you've got radish which is a great one to start off growing. You get a great yield from it and it's an easy one to grow. You've got rocket or as it's called in America arugula. I actually don't know why it's called a rocket in Europe and arugula in America. I must actually check that out. If anybody knows the reason behind that maybe you can give us a shout on Instagram and let me know. Then along with those you've got broccoli, mustard, kale. There's a long list there. I've trialed a lot of different seed densities for some of the crops I've just named there and I've actually created a seed density calculator and you can download that for free on my website if you want to get an idea of the seed density that I use. So some other common vegetables grown as microgreens are Swiss chard, amaranth, carrot, onion, leek. The list just goes on. Then as well as that you've got pea and you've got chickpea. And a couple of the oligogenous species, God, I knew I wasn't going to pronounce that right. But in that you've got sunflower and flax, I think. So there's a lot of different varieties. And then as well as that, you've also got herbs. Some of the different herbs you can grow as microgreens are dill, basil, coriander. Actually, coriander is another one that's different in America. That's cilantro in America and coriander in Europe. Again, I'm not sure the reasons behind that, but another one I must check out. So there's a really big variety of crops that can be grown as microgreens. Some people specialise in just a few of them. There's definitely some people out there that I see that specialise in the herb microgreens. Personally, I do a bit of all of them and I'll cater for whatever I get requested to grow. Okay, so we're going to look at some of the species now that aren't suitable to grow as microgreens. So really, it's any crop that's in the nightshade family or the Solanaceae family, I think it's called in Latin. And in that family, you've got tomatoes, peppers, aubergines, chili peppers, potatoes, and if you just type into Google the nightshade family, you'll get a full list of all the crops there. The reason that these aren't grown as microgreens is because they contain alkaloids, and if these are consumed by humans at high quantities, they can be toxic to humans. So the thought is that over time, these plants that are in the nightshade family, they've developed this defense mechanism that helps them to stop being eaten by herbivores. So they're pretty smart plants really to develop that and animals are going to learn quickly that if they eat those leaves and it makes them sick they're not going to come back and eat them again. It's funny the things you learn when you're researching these topics and something that I just came across this morning was that nicotine is an alkaloid and nicotine used in really high concentrations is a very effective insecticide. So I just thought it was interesting to see where that was coming from. So now I want to go into the health benefits of microgreens. And again, this is really important to know because it's going to help you sell more microgreens. I think a fact that we hear all the time being mentioned is that it's thought that microgreens have between 4 to 40 times the nutrient density as that of their adult counterpart. Now that information actually comes from a study that was done by the University of Maryland in 2012. So I'm not just making this up and I'll leave a link to that study in the show notes and you can take a look at it yourself afterwards. So I'm just going to read a sentence now that comes directly from that study and it says in summary microgreens contain considerably higher concentrations of vitamins and carotenoids than their mature plant counterparts. So what does this mean? Well there's a study done by the Physicians Committee for Responsible Medicine 
and they state that carotenoids act as antioxidants to the human body and that they have strong anti-cancer fighting properties. It also states that carotenoids also have anti-inflammatory and immune system benefits and are sometimes associated with cardiovascular disease prevention. So look, the research there shows that there's some really good health benefits to microgreens and that is a really good selling point. So the information that I've just mentioned here is a good starting point and it will get you out the gate when you're first starting to sell microgreens. And there should be enough information there for you to pass on to your consumer or a chef that you're trying to pitch to. One other thing that I really recommend that you do is that you taste all of your microgreens yourself and get a good understanding of their flavours and be able to describe their flavours. The more I talk about this, the more I feel that this all relates to selling microgreens. So I'm planning on making an episode in the future that's solely about selling microgreens and the best ways to use this information and other tactics to sell more microgreens. So that really brings us close to the end of the episode and I think if you can take one thing away from this episode it's that the more knowledge that you have about your product the more confidence and trust you'll have amongst your customers. So what was my approach to researching microgreens? Well for me the key was talking to chefs and talking to customers and getting asked questions that I didn't always know the answer to but once I was asked those questions I went back and I found out the answer I would recommend that you take about 20 to 30 minutes a week and allocate that time to be dedicated to reading up and researching material that's available. The first thing you can do is check out the study that I've left in the show notes. For me, I found it useful to keep a document of anything interesting that I find. And what that's also handy for as well is that when you start a social media page, you can refer to that document and put some of the information that you've learned out as content to help promote your business. As well as that, by knowing all this information and being able to give it to the customer or the chef, it might just be the slight edge that you need to gain that potential customer's business before a competitor gets there ahead of you. So that brings us along to the end of the episode. I hope you enjoyed it and maybe you learned something. If you feel that I might have left something out there, you can contact me through the SpeakPipe link in the show notes and leave a voice message. Or you can get me at brian at microgreensentrepreneur.com. If you enjoyed the episode and maybe you've enjoyed a couple of episodes, we'd really appreciate it if anybody would leave an iTunes review, good or bad. There's none there yet at the moment and they just help get the show noticed a bit more. So I'd really appreciate that. All right, so that's it. Thanks a million for listening. Have a great week and I'll catch you on the next episode.